If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. Good evening. to say, and I know people say this, but uh, I'll say it from uh, deep down. It's very nice to be in Atlanta tonight. Uh, it's been a long time, and I tell you, I've never quite seen it from this perspective here, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful sight. Uh, so, so far, it feels good up here. I should check in. How's it feeling out there? It looks okay to us. That's good news. And then, uh, can I also just, before we can even continue, I just have to say, uh, what a great band and what a great singer. Florence and the Machine. That's so cool. And uh, not only was she uh, singing great tonight, as usual, but I could hear that you were singing great too, so don't feel, uh, you feel like you can express yourself and sing as loud as you want anytime tonight. That's, that's how we do it. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. It's a pretty, pretty boring week, so I think we're just not going to have an episode this week. Sorry, guys. Yeah, when when are they going to announce these tour dates? It's been so long. What, what uh, are they waiting for? They have a new album that's in the can. Why can't they just release a single? Why can't they just give us stuff, guys? We deserve stuff. I've been a fan club member since 1992. I'm entitled to all this. Welcome to Live on Four Legs, everybody, where there is no lack of big news this week. I think you guys know that because if you're listening to this on the day this airs, it is not in our normal airtime. It's on Thursday instead of Wednesday because we had stuff to talk about the last couple of days. That's right. Brand new single in Dark Matter and a brand new 2024 tour. We're going to get to talking about those things because why not? It's good talking stuff. However, we have a friend of the show here that's been on the show for a couple episodes. He's done some stuff. You might know him. Goes by the name of John Farrar. Did I get that right? John Farrar? Have I been close, saying close it enough. wrong all the time? 
Close John Ferraro. But whoever he is, he's going to tell some stories today about a place called Atlanta, Georgia. That's what we're doing today. If you've listened to this show once or twice, you might know that John is from Atlanta and has a big Atlanta bias and wants them to go to Atlanta. And there will be a lot of discussion about that today. Don't you worry. So we're going to get to all of it. But the first things first is we got to introduce us because we didn't do that already. Randy Sobel over here, John over there. Hello. Hello. Oh, I, I thought you were going with something different today. Jeez. This being kind of a special episode this week. Yeah. Yeah. Changing up the intro. Hey, I don't, no. even, I don't even know my own last name, so all bets are off. We talked about this stuff already. We talked about it in great mm-hmm. length, and if you haven't listened to those episodes and you want to get some rundown of the reaction to Dark Matter, that was an instant reaction to that, and then the tour that's upcoming, then you can go back and listen to those episodes from the last two days and get a lot of that. But I think this is going to kind of be a summary of all of that right here. Now, this is being recorded on Tuesday night, so we've been able to listen to Dark Matter a little bit more. The more and more you listen to it, what else are you hearing out of it? Like, are you kind of formulating a different opinion every time? Like, what's going on with this song the more you listen? Well, I'm just trying to picture it in front of 15, 20, 40,000 people, you know? I mean... The first thing that hits is that just iconic Cameron intro. I think that's going to be huge. I mean, I think it's going to get a big reaction as soon as you hear that because people are going to recognize it. It's the first thing you heard from this record. So Dark Matters track four. I wonder what the end of track three is going to be like to lead into this. But yeah, it's for me, it's that quick like little drum intro that Cameron does and then bookended with that insane mic solo at the end. I think this one's going to be a live favorite right, right off the bat. Oh, absolutely agree. And I think that was kind of across the board that everybody said this is a song that's made for the live stage. That's what we were waiting for. That's what I wanted. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think Pearl Jam does need more chanting songs. They need more crowd interaction songs. There aren't a lot of songs in the back half of their catalog that do that. Can you think of many off the top of your head? Like a little bit? Mind Your Manners. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, call and response where the crowd is is back and forth with them. And you're not going to match Jeremy. You're not going to match Portugal Live. But close. come on close. You know, give the crowd something to celebrate. It, it, like, Unthought Known could be there, but it doesn't really have a, that call and response type moment. I think this is going to constitute that 100%. Yeah, I hope they give it a chance to breathe in, like, play around with it. Maybe Mike gets to go off for a few more measures on it. There's definitely time that lends to that. That's only a three-and-a-half-minute song live that can easily go five. They can easily do some things to it that enhance it, make it heavier. And talking to Javier a little earlier today, he said that he believes that they're getting whole new pedal boards that it's going to be completely dismantled and changed up. And he's really, really excited to hear what the sound and tone is going to be like for this upcoming tour, especially for the next incoming songs that we're about to hear in the next couple months. Like what they're going to sound like is going to set up for what the whole year is going to be. 
let's talk a little tour. Even though we talked a ton of tour stuff yesterday, I think we can kind of talk about like our personal goals and you know where we want to go for this. You kind of mentioned in the last episode you are thinking about Seattle. I'm going to try. I mean, I've never been there. It's always been one of those places that I'd hoped to visit and never got a chance to. That'll be my only one for the year. I'm not going to be able to do any of the September ones. So uh, I'm hoping that it happens so I can get to a couple this year, but we'll see. Yeah, goal here, I'm going to make my way out to Seattle. Already got a place in right across the street from Climate Pledge. And as I mentioned in the last episode, anybody that wants to drop stuff there, it's going to be a, I don't want to say a party house. I don't want to put everybody on the spot there that's listening, but, you know, might be some people that stop in and stuff like that. And, you know, GA people that need to use the bathroom and everything like that. It could be a good hub for that. So keep that in mind. And I'm hoping to get GA in Seattle. That's going to be my goal. I really, really want to be up in front. It's been a long time. And... I feel like just being in the arena sometimes doesn't give you a true feel of the experience and feel of sort of the band being right on top of you. And I I want that again. I really do. Especially after hearing so many different stories about being on the rail, I feel like I'm ready to get back into that. Oh, so you're talking about, you're talking about getting really upfront. You're talking about waiting out. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We got to get the tickets first. We got to see if the lottery gods strike me with something good. And if they do, then I can possibly go all out for this. Hmm. You know, let's see how it all breaks down. Let's see how it all happens. But yeah, I would love to go to Europe. It's just not in the cards. I don't know if I'll ever get to Europe because such a bad time. Like it's my son's birthday. Beginning of July, yeah, you can't miss that. Yeah, like and just planning around it too. Like I, I just can't even broach the the subject. So I hope that I told Marty that if they ever went to Scotland, that I would be there in support of the whole thing. Unfortunately, that didn't happen this year. But I guess fortunate for my wallet that it didn't. But I would love to get it to a show in Europe somewhere at some point. This year, it's just not in the cards after moving and buying a house and everything like that. But it does kind of suck not being in Connecticut where you got shows in Madison Square Garden. You got shows in Philadelphia. You got shows in Boston. They're literally hovering all around you. And it's not like I can't make all that from Syracuse, but definitely... A little bit of a longer trip, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go to all three of those places regardless. But I'll make an attempt to go to both nights of the stay. If if I end up not going to one MSG because of the stipulation that they put in, then fine. But I'm gonna at least attempt it, and got stuff to figure out. So you know, that's all there. That'll be fun. That'll be a good run. I mean, we talked about it on that episode. Like the history of those places speaks for itself. So expect something very cool. And I'm going to throw this out here right now because our big goal, obviously, for the whole entire year is to get these instant reaction episodes out on Patreon and into your hands. And they worked out really, really well last year. We had people on site that were able to give us the rundown and get some people together and tell their stories about the night fresh after the show happened. And I'm hoping that we can get to that again. I really, really hope that we can get back to that. And it's going to take some help. 
Because as we mentioned, we only mentioned like four different locations that we'll be at. So we're going to need the help. If anybody wants to be part of this and help us out with the reaction episode, which means, you know, gathering a couple people together after the show, finding a place where you guys can have a conversation and we join up on our discord, record the thing and it would be out the next morning. We want to try to get it for everywhere. I know it's going to be really late when we do it on the West coast, but we're going to attempt all of that. I would really, really love to take care of that stuff. I would really love if we can get a couple people on board to do this and anywhere, Europe, Australia, wherever, if you're interested in helping out, I'd really appreciate that. Please send me a DM on any of the social media that you follow us on, or you can even email us at live on four legs podcast at gmail.com because that's going to be super, super important when it comes to the content here. I don't know how good we can do it without all of that happening. So it's all about participation, guys. You guys love the content. If you want to be part of the content too, then you're just part of the family. Yeah, I really appreciate all the people that did it last year and kind of gave the rundown of the shows and everything like that. So looking forward to doing it again. And this year is going to be, again, can't stress this enough. Just take it in. Exciting, fun. It's really special. I might say that before every tour year, but who's lying? So there you have it. All right, so... I feel like we got a lot of stories coming here where this was the first show that you had in 14 years in your home city, Atlanta. Tell mm-hmm. us, tell everybody why, 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 first of all, did it take <laughs> that long? Did Ooh. it take that long? Mm-hmm. And what made you finally say, that's it? I'm going back. Why is a good place to start i'm gonna i'm gonna ask that a lot in this episode for 2000 2003 like i was in a band we were doing things i was in athens busy like deep into punk rock getting into all that stuff like i've talked about and pearl jam was just kind of on the periphery for me like like i said every time they would put out a record i would pull it out listen to it for a week or so digest it and take it and then put it on the shelf and be like all right cool but like around 2005 2006 the bootlegs had started to kind of seep in and I was like being the collector and the completist that I am like, I want to have all of these. I was seeking out MP3s and like digging for things and using BitTorrent and SoulSeek and anything I could get my hands on to download this stuff. And it kind of occurred to me like, well, this is dumb of me. Like I obviously like this band. They're very good live, better than on the record. And it's dumb that I only got to see them one time because I started to read stories from people, like people following them around and see like, oh, yeah, you got to see this show and you got to go to that show and you got to go to this place. Okay, so start get back into it. So I'm waiting to join the fan club again or for the first time, technically, 2005, 2006. And I'm like, all right, so all I got to do now is wait for them to come down here and play. So 2006, big tour, nowhere close. 2008, they came down here a little bit, South Carolina, Florida, but I didn't have any money at that point. I was unemployed, so that was not going to happen. It was going to have to be Atlanta or nothing. So a couple more years go by, really nothing, and then here we go. 2012, they announced Music Midtown lineup. Lo and behold, 
Pearl Jam is headlining one of the nights at Music Midtown. Now, not a 10-club show, so I have to go through the festival and get tickets through that. And I just remember being like, oh, finally, I'm finally going to get to see them again. I'm going to be back. It had been 14 years. I had been out doing other things into different music, and now it felt like I was getting back to my roots a little bit. And I remember getting the tickets and everything, and you kind of learn like, oh, you know, you got to get there early. You want to be up as close as you can. So the morning of this show, I decided like I'm not going to eat or drink anything because I'm going to be in the middle of this festival crowd. I had a feeling that I was going to try to get up close. I don't want to have to like leave to go to the bathroom. I don't want to have to do anything. So did not eat or drink anything all day. I got there about 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The hardcore people had already assembled. There was already kind of a group up at the front of the stage they were playing. So I kind of make my way up there and just kind of hanging out watching. And like after every band, get like a little bit closer, get a little bit closer. Sat through Ludacris, which was interesting. Obviously an Atlanta guy, so kind of a homecoming show for him. But the main thing I remember from that is his DJ just straight up played Smells Like Teen Spirit over the PA, like in the middle of their set. I'm like, (laughs) this is just, you're just pandering to this crowd. And like some of the people around me were into it like, yeah, all right, but. Like, don't do that. Come on. Have some self-respect. Have some dignity. And, and don't put yourself down to that level. Be who you are. And Ludacris was fine. Like, he put on a good show. People were dancing. Like, it was great. Again, like, total 180 from what Pearl Jam does, which is fun. So, and you would kind of wait in between because, like, band would play and then they had two stages. So there would be a band half a mile away on another stage that you'd have to sit through while the stage was being broken down and set up again, you know, and everything. So the next band after Ludacris and before Pearl Jam was Florence and the Machine. And all of a sudden, I'm probably like 25 or 30 people back. Like, I'm fairly close. And all of a sudden, all these girls start running up to the front. And I remember, like, me and some of the people around me, they're like, oh, can we get in front of you? Can we get in front of you? Can we go up close? I remember thinking, like, somebody next to me was like, oh, but if you're going to leave after this, right, you're going to leave for... They're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We'll be gone. You can get back up. So... That was our deal. So I got pushed back a little bit for Florence and the Machine so that all of the female contingent could get up closer for that show. And then they followed through. They actually did leave. And here I am in Piedmont Park in Atlanta and about 20 people back on Stoneside. And I'm getting ready to see Pearl Jam. What's going on in your head at that time? Like, you starting to feel like, is it a nostalgia feel? What is it? Are they cemented as one of your top bands again at this moment? Or does it take a little while? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, I was deep into the bootlegs at that point. Like, I knew dates and I knew this. And I was starting to get deeper into things and listening to shows. And I'd only seen one show, so I was pretty much still wide open to hearing whatever. I was hoping we would get one or two deep cuts. I actually went back. I was the setlist relayer for the forums for this. I was relaying the setlist to Dimmy in Greece. It was way early in the morning for him. And I remember we were DMing on Twitter. I went back and looked and I was just like, yeah, like, oh, we got 30 minutes to go. They're breaking down this, putting up the setlist. And he was just like, oh, it's so exciting. Like, I'm going to try to stay up, but just keep buzzing and I'll keep putting it in. I still had all those DMs. I remember going through and every song was just like, oh my god here's this and there's this and we were just kind of going back and forth just being really excited about it 
that's really cool that you got yeah. to do that. Yeah. Now the whole system has changed where it feels like, yeah, we have a little system of our own and through Dave with live footsteps that like we're doing it every night, but also, you know, anybody can do it. If you got a yeah. live stream, you know, anybody can be recounting to anybody. So, so, so if you were following the set list on the forum, it was my Twitter DMs that were making that happen. I felt like I was part of something bigger, at least a little bit, you know, getting back into it. For sure, yeah. And now look where you are. Yep. <laughs> if if that didn't lead you to this, then hey. It was it was bound to happen. Right, right, right. So obviously we kind of know the after story, but before getting into the set list, let's let you cook on this moment here because it's not like we mm-hmm. haven't heard this on the show before. Mm-hmm. But this is the final time to date that they have played Atlanta. They've teased going back there. And they might have had something scheduled at one point, then canceled. In 2016, yep. Mm-hmm. So state your case, get it off your chest. What is it that you want the people to know right now? It goes back to just why, like, I don't understand. Like, okay, let me throw some stats at you. I know you're a stat guy. I'm going to try to make some sense of this. From October 22nd, 1990, Pearl Jam's first show. To April 19th, 2003, when Pearl Jam played in Atlanta in 2003, that was 4,562 days, right? In that time, they played eight shows in Atlanta. One in 91, couple in 92, Lollapalooza, the couple in 94, 98, 2000, 2003. That averages out to one show every 570 days, about a year and a half. Perfectly respectable. Like, you'd be hard-pressed to find... Two or three that were more than that. I'm sure there are, but we were right up there hitting the average, I bet. But since April 19th, 2003, until the day this episode airs, February 14th, 2024, 7,606 days have passed. There's been one Pearl Jam show in Atlanta. It's been 4,162 days since this 2012 show. I don't know why. You can Google, I've done it. There's been threads on the forums. There's things on Reddit. Why don't they play here? And you get the people that are like, oh, it's the politics. They don't play in red states. Well, we debunk that. Georgia's a battleground state now. And they get like, oh, Jeff was mugged there and, and he hates it, won't play there. Well, that happened in 2009. This show is 2012 afterwards. I didn't see Jeff angry during this episode. He didn't get up and yell at anyone in the crowd. He didn't berate the city. No, but there is a couple extra mentions to him, and I wonder if that has something to tie in. (laughs) Could be. Could be. But it seemed like they were having a good time. There was 52,000 people at this show. It's not like they came and played and it was half full, and they're like, we'll just have to skip this next time because the crowd's not there. No. 52,000 people came and showed up. Like, go look at the pictures. The place is packed. I just don't get it. I mean, and I'm... Lucky enough to have been able to travel, like go to Charlotte in 2013, Memphis in 2014, did a bunch in 2016, a, a couple in 2022. And like, yes, that's great. Like I've gotten up to 12 shows now, but it's really not the same as having them in your town, right? You just feel better about those shows. You sing a little harder. You put a little more weight behind it, having them in your town. Like, it's a point of pride. Like, you you want to have a good show. I mean, the reason I always bring up Fox Theater Atlanta 94 is for that reason. Like, that's something that we had that we were proud of. One of the best shows they've ever played. 
And that sort of thing. It's not like they played bad shows here. And this show, while not perfect, it still has some really good moments in it. And I'm going to give that question back to you. Like, did you, like, listening to the show, did you come up with anything? Do we have any new theories as to why this happened? Or is it just bad luck? I don't think that this show presents any evidence of them not feeling comfortable there or not liking the atmosphere. It didn't seem like the way that Ed was talking. He seemed pretty gracious that they were all there. But I have heard some things. And when you think about places that Pearl Jam have have gone in the past decade and a half, they aren't doing as many amphitheaters. And they played what the what do they call it the high low high buy whatever what, what's the oh, uh, it used to be it used to be called Lakewood but then it was high five buys but uh, okay I mean there's 18 places to play in the metro area no I I get that but I think I've heard some bad things about the sound in the building that the Hawks play in and I don't know if that's a deal breaker for them. Yeah, they played there in 2000. The 2000 show was there. Yeah. Again, I don't know if that's a deal breaker for them, but I had heard some things that that isn't the best place to see music, and I wonder if that's considered a turnoff for them. There's an arena in Gwinnett. I saw Foo Fighters there. There's an arena up in Alpharetta. There's a place in up close to me where I saw Ed solo. There's places to play. I don't know if that... It could have just been money. I, yeah, 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 I really, I can't speculate further than that. I don't know these places that you mentioned very well. Yeah, yeah. But and, like you mentioned the show that had been canceled, like in 2016, it was all but announced. I think Ticketmaster had it. I remember seeing it like Atlanta and it had a date and everything. And then at the last minute, it got bumped for Bonnaroo, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. They did not come close to planning any dates for that area this year. And who knows, October is still open to do some, you know, pre-election dates if they wanted to, even if it's like five or six in battleground states, as you mentioned that Georgia is clearly a battleground state now. Yeah. I don't know if they'll do that, but I just don't have an answer for you. They are, I guess at this point in the game, they can be more selective and they can play places that they know are going to draw the travel crowd, like New York, Philly, Boston, Chicago. Seattle. He's got biggest airport in the world. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have a firm answer for you. Yeah. I think your guesses yeah. are a little bit better than mine. You've thought about it a little bit more than I have, clearly. <laughs> so my perspective is just another perspective on this. And I don't know if we'll ever yeah. truly know a full answer unless we hear one. At this point, it's too long to just be coincidence. It just feels like they would have played here accidentally at one point. Like someone would have just like thrown well, it on. Like, oh, obviously they're going to play there, right? Well, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago, like Cleveland is another place. They haven't played there mm-hmm. since 2010. There's a lot of places like that. Kansas City, they haven't gone back to. I don't want to say it's like not just Atlanta. And I get that, you know, you're looking at it from the Atlanta perspective, but there's so many other places. Like, I remember people asking me about, like, will they ever go back to Texas before last year? And that was kind of in question because they didn't even hover around Texas unless it was the Austin City Limits Festival. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah it's really hard to say 
without digging into their management and why the decisions are made. But there are so many other cities as well that have the same issue that sit in kind of this purgatory as Atlanta does. I, so, I see you. I see you, Boise. Sure. If you want to throw Boise out there, <laughs> more than welcome to, but no, it, it but... kind of goes across some of yeah. the other on par with Atlanta cities yeah. in this country. Yeah. So to spin it positively a little bit here before we get into the actual show, like you mentioned, we do kind of talk about it a lot, and especially on the Evolution episodes, it feels like we're always talking about Atlanta. And the more I think about it, you know, when I do think about if slash when, I have to say, if they do make it back and do play here, it's going to be so good to be there and have that feeling again of them being in my home state, in the city I live in. Hopefully they'll make up for the time lost when they come here. I'm not going to be greedy and ask for two shows, but I hope we get at least just one more show before the end. That's all I'm asking for. Well, look, you know that sometimes petitions do work for this band, and sometimes it just needs the fan's voice to come out there and say, hey, let's Mm -hmm. go. And I remember I was trying to push forward a little bit after 2020. I said, you know, like this place has gone blue. Let's fucking do it they've earned something you know what i mean they earned this from the band like they should be happy to go play down there and it should be a reward and yeah it's stupid to make politics into that but that's part of how they think and in ways but i don't think by the end of this band's demise that you won't see an atlanta show but i could not tell you when on the horizon it is right All right, let's dig in. This is the Midtown Music Festival. So this whole entire set and the whole entire feel of this night is very similar to the Philly Made in America show that I went to a couple weeks before this. And it makes sense because they only did four shows in the States in that month, including a show in Missoula, which was a John Tester rally for his Senate bid. And a lot of the same songs were brought to the table. And although they opened the Philly show with Go into Corduroy, opening with Why Go is kind of the same idea and kind of the same feel in that aspect. out of the gates they seem like they're looking out to the crowd and they're like okay we got a good crowd here tonight and we'll say later they all sang during florence so he's excited about that it's going to be a heavy pearl jam crowd of course but he's coming out of the gate chanting those hey chants and we do get a little bit of equipment trouble to start this song because stone doesn't really start off on the right foot mike kind of makes up for that and does something really unique and different on his side during the intro which i thought was cool but regardless all that this is your first song that you're seeing in 14 years so how excited are you and what's the mood oh yeah i'm super excited i mean of course you want to get the rare songs and this is not that kind of show 
but just yeah something to get the crowd going right away and i remember thinking like i want to know what this sounds like again here 50,000 people screaming why go home and pumping those fists and like immediately i was right back into it like jumping around singing along like it probably could have been any song to open with that would have done that for me after that long but yeah just remember watching just like oh just take this in because it's been so long i was just trying to watch every band member and just trying to take it all in in the first song and a perfect one to get like we always talk about if you want to get the crowd going early you do one of those early fist pumping sing-along songs and, and why go does that i mean crowd sounds good on it there's fifty thousand people here yeah so let's get our first Javier segment in on this one. He's going to talk a little bit about the POG on organ mode and talk a little bit about the guitars being hot here. So Javier on why go right from the start, you guys. Let's get to it. Hey, Randy. Hey, John. Hey, everyone on the podcast. Uh, Atlanta 2012. This is kind of a weird show because I was trying to figure it out that there was any sort of technical issues, but... I don't know if you guys heard this, but on Why Go kind of stones guitar, it just doesn't sound right. I mean, there were some parts that you could barely hear him play, but there were some other parts that he didn't. I don't, I don't know. I don't. Know. I think he was running issues when he was starting the show. But anyways, let's focus on the first couple of like seconds and glimpses that Mike does. So there is a pedal that he has used in two versions, and we have mentioned this in the show before but i don't think we have done true justice to how great this thing is and how many cool sounds you can get out of this this is the electro harmonics pog 2 so the pog is a polyphonic generator so you can get like organ sounds chorus a little bit of like a trail reverb even you can get a 12 string instrument in the simulation of the pedal is absolutely outstanding so those little glimpses you're here in the back those are generated by the POG. Other very common uses of the POG is Yellow Moon. And the other song that is infamous for the use of the POG, especially when it starts to get very, very intense, is when Mike is playing, or he was playing with Temple of the Dog, and he was doing the version of Reach Down. When he gets like super high intensity and like the solo is going nuts, he will kick in the POG on that. We wanted to start this with this little glimpse of the Electroharmonics POG 2 polyphonic generator. And also if you're a drummer out there, I think this is the perfect show to listen to because Matt is super high on the mix. The reasons are known, but I really enjoy to listen to this because I can really pay attention to all the details that he gets in in every single song. So yeah, we're going to kick it off like that this week. All right, Javier, we'll be back a little bit later in the main set for another great segment from you. Why go Save You Animal are the first three definitely festival type songs to begin you with you want the songs that are going to get you energized right away i remember thinking i didn't think i was going to get anything off a of ride act so getting save you early on was cool so okay maybe this will be one of those left turn kind of shows but yeah stone gets a new guitar and they get into save you without further issues but animal i think is the one early on that really got everybody going and i remember just jumping around like crazy yeah, Save You was a little tough. Felt like there was a misconnection somewhere. I think it's tough within the first like five or six songs. Cameron is really, really on top of the mix. 
and it feels like the drums are very overpowering in this. And there's a moment, it could have been Animal, it could have been Save You, where they just didn't sync up that well. And I thought that this little tandem right here was a little tough. And again, I'm listening to it on bootleg. You have the experience of this being 12 years later and being there and knowing that. So it's going to be so much different. You're going to remember it and cast it in a better light. So mm. what did you hear on Animal that got you excited for this? It was, sounded like everybody was really singing well on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. The crowd sounded good. Obviously, you want your city to represent well on the bootleg and, and be loud. And I think hey, we did that. But you get Ed early on feeling it out. Like, what you got? What you got? Like, let me hear it. And then, of course, like Mike having to step up early on for Wego, like you mentioned, he's already warmed up and he just destroys Animal. All right. This is going to be the first time you've heard Ed's voice, speaking voice at least, for 14 years. So he says, good evening. I have to say, I know people say this, but I'll say it from deep down. It's very nice to be back in Atlanta. See, they like being there, John. It has nothing to do with the city. I know, they like, like I don't, you don't know how many times I've dissected this little speech to <laughs> I just detect, like, is there any sarcasm there? Take it at face value, you know? Yeah. So, all right. It's been a long time. It had been a long, look, that's nine years. Mm-hmm. So that's a long time in between that. That's a little weird. And I've never quite seen it from this perspective here. And it's a beautiful sight. How is it looking out there? Looks good to us. Then he gives a little nod to Florence against the machine. Yeah, I know it's Florence and the machine. What about it? Not only was she singing great, but you guys were singing great too. So feel like you can express yourselves and sing as loud as you want tonight. Something that you had mentioned in your concertpedia entry was, I guess, the scenery around and what you were able to see in the park. So draw that picture for us. You know, Piedmont Park is kind of in between downtown and midtown Atlanta, I think. And you're kind of in this valley where the stage was. So if you look up, like, all the buildings to the city are, like, if he looked out to his right, he would basically see all the downtown Atlanta, like the skyscrapers and all that. And I I think that they had even started late at the show. And that's the time is obviously the curfew is going to be a big issue in the show as we keep going on and on when we get closer to the end. But... Yeah, it was already dark when they started. So, you know, like the lights are up. I think there's like a Ferris wheel downtown that lights up. That you can see. So they had a really good view of like the skyline of Atlanta, like kind of all lit up. And yeah, I remember you know looking over and I'm like, yeah, he's right. Like this is a great view. Something that if you're in that city and you see it a lot, you take it for granted. But right. seeing somebody else say it, you're like, oh yeah, you know what? That's good that he pointed out. Now I can appreciate it because somebody else that's from outside of here has appreciated without being here for much more than 24 hours. So yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Different than you would get at that high five by amphitheater, which is way South of the city, kind of in the middle of nowhere and arena, obviously you're just going to be looking at rafters and everything. So it was a cool environment to see him in. So let's uh, jam these three here together, small town corduroy and got some, what was the moment here? I'm going to guess that it's Corduroy. So what to you stood out? Was it that? Yeah, you'd be absolutely correct on that one. Corduroy, one of the highlights of the show for me. I mean, Mike holding his guitar straight up towards the sky with the spotlight on him. Just a, an awesome jam at the end. Cameron at the end of Corduroy just killed it. Yeah, this, this performance I think is maybe one of the best ones of the night. Yeah. 
sounded like once you got to the bridge in this that the build started to thrive and yeah it sounded like the band was really started to take off and got some sounded good i did like when ed's chanting do you need it do you need it you know anytime that you go to a festival kind of thing those moments are going to be heightened because again it's for as far as he can see all the people out there it's going to be a sea of heads right in front of him. So he wants to scream all the way out to hear all the people in the back. So that's usually what he does in that case. You know, connecting with 50,000 people is different than 10 or 15,000 in a basketball arena, for sure. We didn't mention the night before they had played in Florida, the Luna Fest. That show's very different from the show. Like, that's a show that's, I think, on the beach, basically. That show is going to play a big role in this show, too, coming up. Like, he's going to talk about politics stuff that he gets into. And then there's one song that didn't go well at DeLuna that they don't even really go for here. He just kind of lays off. We'll find our way there very, very shortly. But we're going to stop right now for Ed to take a second and explain the next one, saying there's a lot of ways to write about love and then the other side of love is the other thing that I won't mention. We don't want anything to do with that. If love is something deep, let's say as deep as the ocean, as uh, you know, as the last album had told us, well, that was conceptually big, but hey, love is conceptually big, so whatever. Even that first six months feels deep, even the next year, but sometimes it can feel a little shallow. And I'm talking about 20-year love, deep, deep ocean love. We have that up here. Men can love men, but with life comes weather, with weather comes wind, with wind, you get waves. There's no way around it. With love, there will be waves, big ones and small ones, which will get you into amongst the waves, wishlist, and then better man, which is interesting on the back end right here. I love the speech and then makes you feel like, again, he has that way of connecting with the crowd and the charisma to make you feel like we're part of this too you know this is one of those speeches that like gets you in and i you know backspacer not my favorite record but it makes amongst the waves better for having this kind of nice speech in front of it again i thought mike was great in amongst the waves i agree with you on that i think amongst the waves sounded really good and that's going back to a lot of why i love these chicago shows especially night one from last year was because of the little stories that came before the songs that made the songs stand out that much more. So that's sort of in the same vein right there. Now, Wishlist, it was like in and out. It was nearly done, but he does give a little bit of a shout out. as fortunate as B.O.B. And mm-hmm. we'll know that he's in attendance, but there's a Brendan O'Brien sighting here, and that's got to be a little shout out to him right there. Better Man, I think, is the one from this section, though, that intrigues me the most because Better Man is not seen in this part of the set. And I know that we've had a couple shows this year already that Better Man has been in weird spots. But I think when you have a festival set, some of the rules get thrown out the window and it's like, usually here we'll play maybe a no code song or something like that. Well, let's play one of our hits and then space the hits out a little bit more because there's going to be a lot more that are going to come later. And it's interesting because it's kind of feeling like almost like the first half of the main set has come to the close in a way because it's the same kind of deal as you would get Better Man closing a set. And it's cool because they do the whole breakdown and it does a pretty cool improv in this. 
I promise, baby, if you stay with me, you can trust me, you can hold me. And I like that. It, it comes off as a really big moment here. a lot of good camaraderie with the crowd especially in the beginning because he holds on to that oh and he kind of like teases the crowd and gets them to hold on to it a little bit more so this is a, this is a fun version i like this well remember too we have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder because this is the first show in atlanta since he trashed us in mansfield in 03 saying oh we're not oh. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't give that one to atlanta so you think, you think there are many people <laughs> thinking that in the crowd there just me just me no i, I was the only one yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. But no, I agree. I mean, I think I had read to the two-thirds of this set is from the Rearview Mirror Greatest Hits album or the Backspacer singles. And I think that might even be low. I think it might even be a little more. This is 100% a, a Greatest Hits show. But just like Corduroy, I think Better Man is one of the highlights of the night. He comments, oh, it's really pretty tonight. Really pretty from up here. You know, that always makes you feel good as a crowd. Like, oh, we're feeling it. We're in this together. I thought the call and response was great. Just like in Black, I'm a sucker for an improv. Anytime he throws in extra lines on Saver for Later, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I'm glad that this was here and not later, because if it had been later, I bet it would have been cut short. There might not have even been a Save It For Later. So I'm glad that this was here where it was. So I mentioned it's kind of closing the first half of the main set, and that's what it feels like here. And you can kind of start anew. It kind of builds up that wave, and you have the next couple that are going to ride that wave that Better Man has built here. And I think that's Evolution and Even Flow that are following again. Like you said, hits, but hits are working out pretty well here. Evolution worked pretty well, and, and I think it got the crowd fired up, and they did the hallelujahs and sounded good and all that. And then... Even flow, I think, is the interest here because it's a nice long solo. It's got a bag of tricks that Mike pulls out, and there's a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan influence on that. There's no surprise. But we're also back to 2006 a little bit with Cameron. Now, it's not an elongated solo at all, but I don't seem to think he was doing this a lot much after Avocado came out.
something you normally think of when you think of 2012. But yeah, even flows great. I mean, Mike starts out a little slow in the solo, like kind of letting the notes hang a little bit, like building up that tension. Then he flips the switch and goes full, like you said, SRV Hendrix style, just showing off, being a little bit more flashy, leading into the drum solo. And like Ed goes out to the barricade, he'll do this a couple of times too later on, like for the last chorus, like goes out to the barricade, lets the crowd take it. But I think Evolution is interesting too, because that's the one I was kind of referring to with DeLuna, because if you remember in DeLuna, he goes to the crowd, that was one of the ones where he was like, all right, like South America, come on, like tried to get them to do the extended part and got no response. Like they did not go for it at all. And he doesn't even try here. He just completely holds off on that. They just play it straight through. Going back on it, that's a little disappointing. Like I would have liked to have had a chance to do that here. But Stone has a great solo nonetheless. So yeah, I mean, you're in the middle of the full-blown hits here in the middle of the set. It's so tough because it's you expecting that the crowd kind of gets the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And festivals, it's not guaranteed, even though that this seemed like a pretty good Pearl Jam crowd. It could just be people that listen to the first couple records and maybe have seen them once or twice, but they don't know the trends. It could be right. a lot of people that are like that. I'm sure the majority was probably people that would have at least attempted a little OOOs. But yeah, it's risky to do at a festival just because yeah. you don't want that response to get ruined and then kind of and it, it was the night before more. yeah yeah right exactly yeah so makes a lot of sense all right ed gives his nods and appreciation to cameron and mccready here as he always does and he says i just want to remind you this is one of those states i had to tell this to florida if you're going to vote in this year's election election year brings out the best in everybody you got to vote and if you want to vote in this state you need a photo id social security card won't work Library card won't work. Student ID card won't work. And that I don't understand. And as we've heard in the last year or so, there are some states that are trying to ban student ID cards so that college kids won't vote, which is complete and utter bullshit because everybody should have the right to vote. And that's exactly what he says. You'd want the educated to vote, but he says, make sure you have a driver's license, a state ID, or at a bizarre turn of events, get this is this really true is this really true in georgia i believe you can have a you can have a fucking firearm license i believe come on now yeah that's it's not great moving on (laughs) yeah (laughs) no but i mean i I can't there's some booing in the crowd and like there's definitely a mixed reaction to this like not everyone is on board with this and i was actually out having drinks with a friend of mine a few months ago, catching up. We hadn't seen each other in a long time. He had just moved back into town from living in North Carolina for a few years. We were just having drinks and I, he was like, oh, you know, we're just kind of catching up. Like, what have you been up to? And I'm like, yeah, you know, doing this podcast about Pearl Jam. First thing he says, man, I wish they would have lay off the politics. Man, I don't get it. I don't understand why that guy can't just shut up and play. And he was at the show. Ooh. So those people are out there. Sure. Yeah, they are. But everybody wants freedom. Everybody wants freedoms for somebody, you know, freedom for themselves. And they want their own freedom to be able to express themselves and feel like if anybody's infringing on their freedom, then that's not right for them to do. But the minute that somebody else does something that they don't like, 
that freedom is thrown out the window. Oh, yeah. And that's what I don't fucking get. They are free to do that. They're not hurting anybody. They are talking about voting here. That's it. If voting is a crime, we're all in big fucking trouble. Yep. So he says, you'd be glad to know in Florida that it got a bigger response. Florida and Arizona are kind of in an arms race with each other. It's just not a privilege, but it is your right. And glad to get fired up before going into Know Your Rights right there, because that is exactly what the song brings to the table. And it got a little return during this time. A little kind of, hey, let's let's bring this back. We're feeling election year. Mm-hmm. What what did we do back in 03, 04? We, we did this. And when they played it in Philadelphia, it had been 270 shows since they had last played, actually, Mansfield 3. So... What I wanted to go to Javier on for this that I absolutely loved was that Mike kind of had this little reverberation on his guitar that sort of sounded like you were hitting like a warbly piece of sheet metal. So when I texted him this, he's like, yeah, that's one of the mysteries that I've been trying to figure out for a while. And hopefully here, he's been able to figure out and he's been able to explain it to you. So let's see what he's got on this. hear that little like tap little slap back echo yes so this is the mxr carbon copy very noticeable uses are mind your manners let the records play this pedal was very 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 heavily used in between 2013 2014 2016 and 2018 later on it was removed but that was a very cool staple sound especially with the release of the new single mind your manners because they wanted to look for something that was going to have enough texture on a delay and that it was dark and organic. So this is the kind of pedal that is going to give you that. But if you're looking for a pristine sound over a pedal that is going to be like a unicorn floating in the air, you're not going to get that with this. This is a dark delay pedal. So in this case, you have the slap back set up in a very high fast setting. And I mean, notice, like looking in YouTube, that he has two little dots on the speed of the MXR Carbon Copy. So he goes back and forth for certain songs when he wants to get a little bit more presses in the echo, like in the solo of Let the Records Play. Or if you want to get a little bit of a trail behind, like in this version of Know Your Rights, or like we were saying before, Mind Your Manners. Super interesting, pretty little detail that Mike uses once in a while. Like I said before, unfortunately, this pedal has been removed from that board and only the delay line 604 remains on that board when it comes to delays. But maybe this year we'll see more. Who knows? Maybe he's going to have a full new board. Who knows? A full new backline. That's all for this week. That's something The Clash did. Like That's the way the original sounds. It's got that really metallic kind of reverb sound to it. So yeah, thanks, Javier. Yep. Yeah, it's great. It's, I don't know, it seemed like if you got to do it, 
you got to do it angry. I don't know if he was like full on board angry in this. It felt like he was just kind of hanging with it and, and enjoying yeah. it. It's yeah. not Nassau Coliseum angry. That's for sure. sure. But nothing else sure. is. This is not my favorite cover that they do. And don't get me wrong. Like love the clash. One of my all time favorite bands, but I mean, this is like what the, the 38th best clash song. I mean, from combat rock, I'm, I don't love this cover. I mean, the original is fine, but I think there's better songs. But I mean, it's it's done for a purpose. This is not a cover that I like. Am hoping for every single time. I'd much rather Sonic Reducer that kind of thing. But this is a weird spot for Know Your Rights. This is a weird section of the set right here. That's exactly where they played it in Philadelphia too, mm-hmm. right in the middle. He did the same mm-hmm. kind of speech. You know, it's an election year, and I hope that you guys all come out, because Pennsylvania, again, another battleground state, so it makes sense. And they didn't do it in Florida, though. They decided against that. But it would be played in Missoula for that rally over there. Now, Nothing Man would follow that up. You got kind of two different ideas for a song. You got something that's very angry and heavy, and then you got something that's a little bit more somber but deep. It sounded like the crowd, you were sort of able to hear them in little pockets here. And once you get to the Into the Sun part, they sound like they are fully in on this song. And it feels like Nothing Man around this time was really starting to make that stride of being that song that the crowd was going to be a major part of it. It happened probably 2010 where it started to really do the full rotation of Evolution, but you can see it here as well. Definitely, yeah, we talked a lot about this last week in Nashville being the opener. Yeah, I think this is fantastic. Another one where you go back and kind of like, well, how did we do? Let's check the tape. But yeah, I thought the crowd was great on it. And it's a weird transition to go from Know Your Rights to Nothing Man. But I think they pulled it off with Nothing Man. Yeah, it absolutely sounds like tender and delicate and like it could fall apart at any moment. Like that's what you want out of a song that like has the kind of quiet tension that Nothing Man has. Yeah, I thought this was great. So before going into the final three of the main set, Ed says, just want to make sure everybody's doing okay, so keep your seatbelts on. I was going to get into Backspacer, Deep Cut, Supersonic, Jeremy, then Porch to end the main set. I was feeling this version of Supersonic for some reason. This is usually one of those songs where I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right. It is what it is. But it's the only Backspacer song I hadn't seen live. And... I thought this was a really catchy, bouncy, fun version. And Javier had messaged me and said that there is a reverse delay effect on the solo here. So that's kind of interesting to think of there. But yeah, like supersonic. And then you got the two massive heavy hitter 10 songs. Yeah, I think I remember when Supersonic, that was a surprise. It was like, oh man, like, here's kind of a rare one. Cause I mean, even it's though it's kind was, of your deep cut of the night, right? Yeah, definitely. Even though it was from Backspacer, they hadn't been playing it really. So that was cool. And, and again, we're getting to the part where I think they knew they were going to be pressed for time. And like, what can we play here that's short and quick? I mean, you could have gotten a Leatherman there. You could have gotten a Spin the Black Circle. But Supersonic's the choice. I mean, yeah, another one that I'm looking back on it now and I'm glad I got to see it it's one of those that not a lot of people have seen so that's cool to have gotten about the blast from the past on Jeremy letting the first chorus yeah. just play out without any vocals there I love it yep yep and he gives it to the crowd like again I think you're seeing 52,000 people this is one like I said I don't know how many people in that crowd knew Supersonic but all of them knew Jeremy so <laughs> he does the thing like help me out and like gives it to the crowd 
you can see in the video the end you see just stone like just bouncing up and down like having the time of his life i love the closer i love porch here and i think it has to do with some of maybe the nostalgic sound that's in the solo here because there's a lot of that dun 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 and that was not, I wouldn't say abandoned, but it wasn't an every night thing with Porch from that point forward. You know, they would do it a little bit in 2013, 14 and, and onward, but it really felt like I was taken back to like 92, 93 hearing that in this version. Screaming up to that buildup. I believe he was in the crowd for this, right? He was down below. Yeah, there was like a T barricade, right? So your right side of the crowd is separated from the left side as you get up to the front closer. So yeah, there was like a little open area down the middle where you could run down. And yeah, I think part of the reason it has that feel is because when he goes to do that, the band goes, oh, we got to go into vamp jam mode where like we don't know how long he's going to be down there. We got to do something that we can keep up for a while if we need to, which is that's what they were doing back then. But yeah, he like runs way out to the, in the middle of the crowd, high-fiving people, shaking hands, security's chasing them all around, they're doing the whole thing. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, I wasn't as close to the barricade, I was more, like, more towards Stone's side. But yeah, I remember just that surge of people as he came through, like you see the top of the heads run by and everyone kind of rushes over. Big moment, because he had kind of, like, like I mentioned, he had gone down to the barricade earlier, but when you get him in the crowd, you're obviously, that's gonna get everybody going see it on the monitor and like oh he's, he's doing it so yeah fun way to end it won't be the last time he goes down well all right let's get to the encore pause for station identification let's thank one brand new patron and local boy to my area and also a patron that has upped his donation and has already made a request for us to do in the future so First of all, let's thank Brett Mowers, who joined up on awesome. the yearly tier on Bonus Leg. He is a local Syracuse guy, and I promised him that we'd meet up at some point and exchange Pearl Jam stories and all that. So that nice. offer is still on the table, and we send a big thank you out to him for joining this wonderful community. And also a big thank you to Richard Green, who changed their membership from bonus leg to giga leg, which means he does get an episode for himself in the future. He has selected the global citizens festival show from 2015. So okay. can't wait to do that. Put it on awesome. the schedule. Nice and easy. I think that's like 12 songs or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. It's good for a week where, you know, we don't want to work, I suppose. Right. You know, one of those shows that we can do whenever we decide, hey, we're going on tour at sure. this point. You know what I mean? Sure. So just kind of insert that. That'll be easy. 
But no, th- I mean, thanks to Brett and Richard, that's awesome. I mean, Richard probably already has, but Brett, you know, go check out all that that back catalog on Patreon. For sure. And as mentioned earlier, obviously, it's a big, big year ahead of us. We can use all the help as humanly possible, especially, look, I'm changing the business LLC right now. I don't know how much that's going to tax us in a year where we're needing to put a lot into the tour. And what I mean by that is I have to switch, obviously, from where my business is located in Connecticut to now New York. And I don't know how much that's going to run me right now, but also for the business license, that's up for renewal this year. So it's a lot when you're trying to get out and do things at the shows. So we could really, really use the help right now, even if it's a one-time donation, if it's just a dollar a month, any help possible, we can really, really use it. So please, and again, the tour coming up is going to have nothing but night in, night out, reaction episodes, and even more content. Talk about, yeah. Yeah, there'll be a lot of stuff. Once the new songs come, we're going to be so inspired to just put together different episodes and different things. And I've talked to Javier like, Hey, what do you want to do with gear garage for the first single and all that? And he's been very, very responsive to that. So yeah, I foresee a lot of things happening in the future. If you do love the content and I've been told that, yeah, paying attention to the content on the main platform and then the Patreon platform, it is a lot, but you can consume it at your own pace. Nobody's telling you. You got to listen to it all in one day. It's always there. It's evergreen. And really, it's the support that we need right now more than anything else. So if you really would love to support us, we would be very, very thankful for that from the bottom of our hearts. If you head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs or go to the Patreon app and search for Live on Four Legs, or you can go to liveonfourlegs.com and click the Become a Patron button. Those are the ways to join, and please consider it, because right now, as I mentioned, it's an extremely tough time to get all of the finances working, and we just want to be out there as much as we can for this tour. And with your help, I hope that we can achieve that. And for a little bit of new content that came out last week, there's stuff to listen to right now over there. We got a gear garage on black that Javier just did, and he knocked it out of the park. It was phenomenal. And we also have the late night series episode on Pearl Jam week from 2013. We'll talk about their performances. We'll talk about the Cornell and Avid Brothers performance of Footsteps as well as the Robin Pecknell performance of Corduroy and the Dirk Bentley cover of Alive, I suppose. But yeah, we'll talk about all of that good stuff. It's a good episode, and all of the Late Night Series episodes have been really, really fun to do. So those are things that you can check out right away. Again, head on over, help us out on patreon.com slash live on four legs. Now let's get back into The Rock. We got... Two more sets of four songs a piece and a lot of rushing that's coming up in a little bit. So it says now the stage is built. Buildings are all put up. We got people from front to back. We're going to play every second we can until they're going to kick us out. I read that this was a festival years ago and then it stopped and then it was brought back last year. It's a nice thing. They brought it back and it's nice that we could be invited to this. Did you ever go to 
one of the Midtown Music Festivals in the past? No, or? It was like more in the kind of mid to late 90s. Okay. And it turned into something it wasn't. I don't think the lineups were, at that point, it wouldn't have been anything that I wanted to see. So a sense here that, yeah, things are coming at you fast is that Crazy Mary is going to be cut down a little bit. They're in the time crunch. So the duo here is Crazy Mary giving a fly. And Crazy Mary, which averages probably around more like seven and a half to eight minutes on a normal night, is down to six and a half. And that takes out a key element that Crazy Mary has been known to have ever since 2003. And that is the duel. The duel is not here. Boom is allowed to do his own thing for the whole couple minutes that they're jamming at the end. You don't get Boom and Mike going back and forth at all because they're cognizant on time here. And that's a little unfortunate, but you know, you do get a nice boom moment and he's sounding real good on this. So at least you get that. Yeah. I mean, in the moment, I don't think I recognize this, but you can definitely hear like boom is going. And then as it builds up, Ed kind of looks around and we, we got to cut this out. So he gives the, sh- the signal and they shut it down. God, I would hate to be a front man while doing a great show and looking out at the crowd and singing and all that, be cognizant of the clock. Granted, I'm sure that Ed's got a stagehand who's doing that. That's getting in his ear, but still like that's, he has to be in control of that. So yeah, that is an unenviable position that Ed is in right there. Nobody wants to stop the music. So, but I really liked this version of giving a fly and it was dedicated to Steve Gleason As far as I know, I think this is Steve Gleason's first ever mention at a Pearl Jam show, which is cool because we would know from the year following that he would really get involved into the Pearl Jam community and he created Setlist and he was part of an ESPN feature about him and his ALS that Pearl Jam was involved with. So it's it's cool to see that here. It's cool to see that this is kind of where it started. And, you know, I, I did think about the moment of the block kick when thinking about Atlanta because that was against the Falcons. Against, but yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, like, if I were a Falcons fan, I wouldn't be like, oh, man, that's that's really just... Dis- I'd be like, you know what? New Orleans needed it at the time. So I don't oh, know yeah. how Falcons fans feel about that. I know that's... I remember... Oh, yeah, I remember watching that game and being like, oh, well, we're just the other team in the story right now. We're just here to serve the story for them. Right. It's a, a one of the nastiest rivalries oh, sure. that's out there in football. And I don't know if enough people realize that because everybody's focused on like Packers Bears and Cowboys Eagles and all that, but they have a pretty nasty rivalry. Hate each other. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's basically college football. Yeah, I, I like this version of Give and Fly again. It's a really good soaring version. Mm-hmm. And it felt kind of like you said with Amongst the Waves where Sometimes you do need a little bit of that lift from Ed saying something. I feel like it gave him that. And I feel like knowing that this was for Steve Gleason, who was in attendance, that they were able to elevate their game on this and sounded really, really good. Again, they're outdoors and there's going to be another song in a little bit that's going to sound terrific being played outdoors. So this is one of the ones that works the best. I agree. It's short enough that, you know, it's not like an extended part had to get cut off or anything. And there were a lot of songs cut from this. I don't know if you saw the list. We can go over it. But, yeah, I agree. Giving a fly, yeah. I mean, again, the outdoors is the perfect location to hear it. So Ed is going to give a little nod to Brendan O'Brien 
as the wink wink nudge nudge from wishlist wasn't enough because it definitely wasn't enough he said just about every song we've ever recorded we've done down here in your fair city or unfair city was that a nod to jeff hmm so he said unfair city sometimes and like this is the one like again when you go back and dissect this and you're looking like what does he mean what's he talking about what's unfair like is that why they haven't played here like what's going on i want to know my guess is that it was uh, kind of a nod to Jeff. Like, Jeff, we hear you if you Maybe. feel uncomfortable Maybe. here. I don't. Yeah. And that's that's just a guess. But it's part of the story. So he said, we did it all with local hero, Brendan O'Brien, who's here tonight. And we dedicate this one to him. And it's what we call him behind his back. The fixer. The fixer's going in a rearview mirror. The fixer is very much the fixer here. I think. Maybe it was a little too poppy for this moment. Maybe I would have liked to see a Vitalogy type song before getting in the rear view mirror, but that's what they were doing at the time. Usually before going into the lightning bolt era, there weren't a lot of shows that didn't have the fixer on it. So that's just kind of what you got. But I think rear view mirror is the better conversation on this, of course, because you get, Everybody working, everybody is clicking on all cylinders here. Cameron pounding away. All the machine gun fills that he does in this is very, very apparent. And he sounded really good. The bridge is pretty jammy. And there's a lot of heavy Jeff presence. And then Ed does the I Will Forgive just kind of briefly here. So, yeah, they're, they're building up to something really, really good. However... One thing, it's like the measuring stick for good versions of Rear of a Mirror. Does he hit that screen? And in this one, mm, he just missed. Yeah, I don't know if that's like the age starting to show or just the, the time constraint as well. But oh, I remember being really excited for that. I will forgive. That's something I thought was super cool. Yeah, the ending is great. They go on this like ascending note. For a couple measures, it just keeps going higher and higher and higher, and I thought that worked really well. But yeah, another one that like maybe in a different setting with more time, it would have reached that like kind of epic level, but here just didn't get there. All right, that takes us to encore number two, and this is where things are going to really speed up. But look, Ed spends a while talking here. He talks for a while here. This could have easily been like, hey, Atlanta, you've been good tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with this band and all that. And then maybe did a shout out or two. But this is a pretty long speech in the time that they need to pump out for getting the rest of the set in on time. So there's a little bit of an Olay chant with the crowd there waiting for the band to make their way out for four more songs. And Ed thanks all the local folks and crew and security and then ask for a young kid to be on camera. Between really young kids and women, if they can be up front, then that's a really good sign that everyone is okay. Then he offers the kid some wine, kind of like last week, but then says, oh no, you want some tequila instead. It's a good choice. Ends up thanking the crew who have been there for many, many years. We don't go anywhere without them and vice versa. And now he gets to, like, this is him waxing poetically. When you get older, you see a lot of friends, and we have a lot of them here today. Great vibe, great weather, great scenery. It takes a bit of something to stay together for as long as we have without any real hateful arguments or ever breaking up. We've all supported each other through that. Then he mentions everybody by name, except for Jeff. 
because he's going to say something about Jeff right here. And also, I don't think he mentions Boom either, but he might not have been on stage. Unthought's one of his songs, so I don't know why he wasn't, but he did not mention Boom. He said he was watching PJ20 with a friend of theirs, and at one point, Jeff was speaking, and about halfway through, their friend said, Jeff Ament is a fucking badass, and she's absolutely right. You have no idea. To be able to be friends and have this kind of job, to be able to share music with this many people, it's not lost on us. One of the biggest things that's kept us together has been your support. So thank you from our souls. This one is for the moon. That's another, hey, let's give Jeff another little vote of confidence and like, hey, thanks for agreeing to play here with us. Yeah, I, I think that was a little nod to Maybe. him. Maybe. Unthought Known in Black are going to be this combo. Alive and Rockin' in the Free World are going to be the next combo. So I thought, Unthought, again, it follows the trend of following up on the speech gets you a pretty good performance because Unthought, especially in the open sky like this, this is where it really gets the room to soar. And I think where the band feels most comfortable playing this song because every time I've seen it outdoors, which has been a few, they've really, really hit well on it. And, of course, there's no mistaking the lyrics for this. So I thought that this was a really nice tie-in. And to get in the second encore, too, where you think, okay, there's 210 songs here and their most famous cover, but let's do another Backspacer song for this crowd. Like, hey, it's a little ballsy for a festival crowd, but it seemed like they were really feeling it. Yeah, this was one that I remember being really impressed with because Backspacer, not my favorite record, but... This one I thought was the best of the live ones. And I thought it translated the best. I remember thinking like, oh, I'm gonna have to give this song another shot. Because yeah, this one has all of the classic like Pearl Jam feels to it. You put it in that category, not as high as Given to Fly or some of the other kind of songs that soar, your better man's things like that, but it's inching up towards that level. Yeah, this is a great performance, I thought. All right, this song. We've talked about it quite a few times lately, and it's been very, very favorable. I think that it continues to be favorable here, and also for the third week in a row, we get the elongated B. Yeah, so do your thing on this song. This has been your child, so. Yeah, at this point, I mean, you know, you know you're getting towards the end. You can kind of see the writing on the wall that the night is going to be coming to an end here. So again, just trying to take this all in because I didn't know when the next time I was going to get to see him was going to be. And I just remember, yeah, watching Mike like throw his head back and start that solo. You're just like, oh, just trying to soak it all in. It's just classic. And yet, again, that moment that you mentioned where the crowd does the backup vocals while he's still holding that note, I mean, it just gives me chills. Really, really special. Yeah, it's a good version. Yeah, a little bit of that rock and roll on the solo there from Mike. With kind of a little bit of a washed out delay sound mixed in. I thought that sounded really good. But this also is a seven minute version. And Black doesn't necessarily have to be a seven minute version. It's not that long on the album. So you'd think that maybe they would kind of make this more like a 1992, 1993 version where, you know, you get a little bit of the We Belong together there, but you don't make that its own section. And then. You kind of cut it off before getting into something a little deeper. And that could have saved them maybe like a minute and a half, two minutes. But they go at that at full pace, as a normal version would. 
and then they're just kind of playing with fire here from here on out. Yeah, I mean, you you see Ed, I mean, immediately after Black ends, you see him running up to every band member and, like, does the, like, you kind of circle your finger, like, hurry up, we got to speed this up, we got to go, got to go, got to go. He runs out to everyone real quick and does that. So I think at one point I remember I have a distinct memory of someone from the festival. I don't know if it was the promoter or someone else coming on stage to talk to him. I don't know if it happened here or later, but... It was probably that, when Ed said, what did he say? Uh, I'll pay for it. Fuck it. I'll pay for it. Yeah, it might have been before Rockin', but you don't see it in the video. The camera's not on him when it happens, but they've definitely got the notice at this point. Like, okay, you, you got to hurry. Wrap shit up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, you know, your final moments of the show, obviously me and Rush, but that's not something you're concerned with at the time. Yeah, we'll get into it. I mean, it kind of like creates this tension in the crowd because like, Everyone sees it. Everyone's like, okay, something's going on. Like, you don't really get the full celebratory moment because there's this tension. Like, are they going to make it? Are we going to get the last song? Is it going to get cut short? Like, what's going to happen? So you didn't get the full, like, closure you normally get at a Pearl Jam show. It was weird. Yeah, I kind of felt that. You know, you usually have more times to have celebratory moments. And like in a live, you don't get any hey chance at the end. Like that didn't materialize. Oh yeah, they, the, the, you cut the solos cut way short. It, yep. And then in Rockin' in the Free World too, that whole part there's supposed to be a mic solo going into there's a thousand points yeah. of light, and they just directly go right to that. Oh yeah, and that's, Ed cuts it off completely. He just goes up and starts singing over it, and like, nope, we're done. This is the Lucan version of Rockin' in the Free World for sure. Four minutes. Yeah. Shout out Speed at one point. I think I know which Trump. I don't. I don't remember hearing it in the bootleg. But I, there's a lot of times you see him like yelling at people or like off mic talking to things. There was a lot going on at this point. And it's so tough for a festival. You're not in control of any of that. You really have to play by their rules. And I think this lasted two ten. I don't know if it was supposed to be a two hour show on the dot or not, but. They tried to push it as much as they could, and look, Ed was gracious enough to say, fuck it, I'll pay for it, and you hear that, but sometimes that is not enough to get a promoter to still be mad about that. I don't know. Promoters are weird sometimes, so. Like, he comes out after live, he's like, they're telling us we got two minutes, next song's like, and he's going to think, he's trying to do the math, and it's sad, like, Next song's like more than that, but he's like, we'll play it as fast as we can, but we gotta play one more. Gotta like, play we, one more. We gotta more. go, yeah. It's either the moment before or after where he has a little powwow with someone from the festival and you get him going, like, as the song starts, he's like, fuck it, I'll pay for it. Yeah, did that throw you off at all there, or were you just like, yeah, fuck it, let's go? A little bit, a little bit. Because, like, you know, you want the full solos, you want the full thing, you want to do the haze and everything. Like, again, it felt a little unfinished, but 
And then Steve Gleason's on the side of the stage. He comes out and like Jeff and Mike are over there like running around him and playing right to him. So that was cool. But it just felt unfinished. And it doesn't help that they haven't been back since. And like there's just feels like there's no closure. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that like, for sure. Ledbetter was on the set list to be last. Like that didn't get played. Last Kiss was cut. Just Breathe was cut for Crazy Mary. Last and Kiss then, is really interesting because yeah. is there a back? Like they don't. There's festivals, not. Yeah. So that's that's weird. Yeah. They must yeah. just want to be playing it because it's another hit to throw in here. Right. And then in the main set, Johnny Guitar and Gonna See My Friend were both cut. Crazy. Yeah. This would have been like a super backspacer show yeah. if even yeah. just one of those songs was added. Yeah, cutting Gonna See My Friend for Corduroy was the right move, cutting Johnny Guitar in general. And actually, Johnny Guitar's cut for Know Your Rights, I believe, that looks like. Because it's in the same spot, even flow, than Nothing Man. Yes, yes. So That's weird that they didn't have that on the set. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of moving and shaking here, and again, they're trying to fit the puzzle pieces to make sure that they didn't have to break any curfews, but... Breaking curfews is what Pearl Jam does best. And oh, right. You know, How many times? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. They're usually very apparent. Like, okay, tonight, yeah, forget about whatever curfew. We promised to push it. We talked to the mayor. We talked to this person. So let them do their thing. All right. So now we get into the top three moments of this. So I'm going to go first here and let you have the final say on both of the ratings and the top three. I'm going to go, weirdly enough, I'm going to go supersonic number three because, you know, I got toe tapping on this and I got to banging my head a little bit. I, I like this version. This is a real fun version. Better Man is going to be number two. And how about Porch number one? Okay. My number three is Nothing Man. My number two is Better Man. And my number one is Corduroy. Leather Man. I wish. <laughs> no, what's your number one? Corduroy. Okay. There we go. Oh, I'm. Mm. Hey, be honest. Don't feel like you have to have yeah. to play it up for me. Like I understand that this is not a perfect show. Yeah, I I got so many reminders of that Philly show, The Made in America, and that was just a show. Again, I didn't go to a lot of festivals at the time, so just being around the type of people and knowing that there weren't. A whole lot of people that were there for Pearl Jam and the people that were there for Pearl Jam were there for like two songs. I remember talking to people beforehand and being like, well, what do you want to open? You think they'll open with release? And one kid's like, oh, they're going to open with a live, right? Like, oh, no, I don't want to be around these people. I just want my normal Pearl Jam fan. I I might have found one or two, but yeah. It wasn't that kind of night. And, you know, the very similar things here. They played songs that kind of dealt with the election. They played hits. They played pretty much every hit that was here they played that night. The only thing out of the ordinary was the WMA into 99 Problems, which obviously has kind of gone down in, in infamy, if you want to say that. I guess, look, I didn't didn't come into this thinking that this would be the world's greatest festival show. And it's a festival show and you know what it is going into it. And just by that itself, it does get docked a little bit because that's not how I see Pearl Jam. 
I like Pearl Jam when there's variety. I like them when they're in front of their crowd. And that gets docked a little bit. But I think the thing that kind of, I guess, didn't quite connect me to the show was that I didn't feel like there was an underlying theme from this night. I didn't feel like there was anything outside of just playing the songs that was like really connected you. A couple of speeches here, but they were kind of stray speeches. There was no like full on story. The performances were okay, but I didn't think that they raised the bar for any of these songs. Even the ones that I picked like Porch and Better Man were good, but I don't know how much better they were than other versions of those songs that we'll hear in normal sets. I think they they match that intensity for sure, but you're not looking at it from this set and being like, wow, that is something different. That's something special. So the conclusion I came to is that it's just one of those shows I'm not going to go back to. I don't have any personal connection as you do, you know, with the city, with the set. It all just kind of falls in that category of like, it's just not for me, man. It's a six and a half. Okay. I can accept that. I'm not going to, like I said, I I told myself I'm not going to take this rating personally. I understand that this is not a top tier Pearl Jam show like for a number of different reasons. But like I was there and this was kind of my reintroduction into what the live Pearl Jam experience was. And it did kind of leave me wanting more like got to go to Charlotte the year after and be on the rail right in front of Ed. Got to go to Memphis the year after that, be second row behind the rail. And it was onwards and upwards from there for me. But I haven't had a chance to see them here since. It does get a little bit of a bump for me being that I was there and that I do have some pretty good memories of the show. And I do think there's some good performances, but I'm right at a seven. Wow. Can't go any higher than that. Wow. Okay. I thought you would at least be in the eight row. I can't do it. Yeah. Got to be honest. I mean, if I had to rank the shows that I've been to, this one's at the bottom. Okay. I mean, that's made in America. Unless they really, really screw up another show that I go to, it's always going to be the last for me. So (laughs) I get it. I totally get it. But hey, it's good to have the honesty here. I didn't expect that, but. Oh, I thought you were going to come in with like a four and a half. No, because it wasn't unlistenable. You know, I I went through the set list and it wasn't like, Oh, wow, that was terrible. Like the first three songs, I was kind of, oh, they really weren't quite together on these, but that didn't last. It sounded fine. It sounded like a normal Pearl Jam show. It just doesn't have the heart as normal Pearl Jam centric shows do usually. And that's what kind of took me out. But that doesn't mean it deserves like a four. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, all right. Well, you get a spotlight next week, too. You're not done because we go to Columbia, South Carolina. This was a show you went to in 2016. So Great you'll have more stories. Show. Yeah. Yep. You'll have more stories to tell. I've never listened to the show before, by the way. It's very good. Yeah. Out of all the 2016 stuff, it definitely between what, like Versus and Greenville mm-hmm. and then Hampton, I think, was around this. And that's when... The whole cancellation for Raleigh went down. People, yep. yeah, yep. people really don't talk about this one at all. I mean, this this was the night that Prince died. That it right. happened that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. 
So that should be a fun one for any of you that are down south. I think Travis Howell, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago for Columbus, I think he is at a four-week stretch of shows that he's been to. He went to Columbus. He went to Nashville last week. He went to this one. And I think he went to Columbia as well. That's impressive. Cool. That's impressive. I don't know if I've had a four-show streak. (laughs) Seriously, I don't. Because, you know, for for us, it's like, hey, let's spread everything out and try to get new stuff thrown in here and there. So we'll have another 2016 one coming from my perspective for Fenway in a couple weeks. And then I think we're down to like, I don't know, like seven from that year. Very, very low. So if you really love that tour year and you want more from that tour year, you got to get it now because we got like Lexington and I think the Bonnaroo show. Might have to wait a while until we get back to it. All right. So we got the best of Atlanta today. And if you like this and you're not subscribed to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so. And subscribing means we can get the visibility. That means anybody that's searching for Pearl Jam Podcast will be able to see us pop up. And that's what we're looking to do. If you are so kind to do that, then please, you know, especially on Apple and Spotify, you're able to rate the show. And please, we would love the five stars. We feel like we've done the research. We've done the work to get there. So if you can rate us five stars, that's a huge, huge help. And again, it's all about visibility. It's all about us getting out in the forefront. When people are searching for shows, just searching for things, they'll see this podcast. And sometimes it takes a while for people to see this podcast and be like, hmm, yeah, I'll listen to that later. I'll listen to that later. Uh, It's like an hour and 40 minutes. I don't have time for that right now. But then after like, you know, six or seven times, they're like, all right, finally, I said I would listen to this. I'm finally listening to this. So it, it happens. But again, it doesn't happen without the visibility and us being out in the forefront where people are like, okay, I will finally take the chance on you live on four legs. Damn it. So there's that there's the ratings, please. Five stars. That'll help. But also the comments on Apple, leave us a comment and let everybody know what you think about what we're doing, what you enjoy. And hopefully the next person's going to see that and be like, yeah, yeah, I see you, Doug6759, question mark. You got some good takes there, buddy. I'm going to subscribe to this podcast, and I'm going to listen to my favorite show that they've covered. And that's all it takes sometimes. And with a big tour coming this year, we can easily say that the word of mouth always spreads when everybody's at the show. So expect really big things to come. That's all I'll say. You know, we'll do another t-shirt drive. We'll obviously be doing the instant reaction episodes. There's going to be no lack of content. There's going to be no lack of material. There's going to be no lack of just things and being out there. So prepare yourself for it. We're excited. We're getting anxious about it, to be honest with you. But when it happens, we'll be ready for it. And yeah, that'll be that. We'll make some memories again. That's all for this one. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already, miss you always. Well, don't have too many more Atlanta ones left. I think we have one of the 94 ones. We have 2,000 and maybe a stray one here or there from the back 
catalog of Pearl Jam, maybe a Lollapalooza show, but we still have more of our shows that we're going to talk about for the rest of February into March. So, if you're interested in that, the next week, see you on the pod. Please come back. Just please, please come back. Just once, please. Keeps Georgia on my mind. Said in Georgia, Georgia, a song of you comes as sweet and clear as moonlight through the pines. Other arms reach out to me Other eyes smile tenderly Still in the peaceful dreams I see The road leads back to you I said, Georgia Georgia No peace I find Just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia on my mind Georgia on my mind reach out to me Other eyes smile tenderly Still in peaceful dreams I see The road leads back to you Oh, Georgia Georgia, no peace, no peace I find, just an old sweet song, keeps Georgia on my mind. Georgia, I said just an old sweet song.